Hi there. Uh, good day. Hope you are doing awesome. Uh, I welcome you to IAMEG, uh, Indian Advanced uh, Manufacturing and Engineering Group. Uh, Rashmi and I, Abhijit Bhatt, are, uh, are from Manlio Designs and we'll be hosting the podcast. Uh, we hope to see existing leaders inspire new emerging manufacturers from this group. Uh, we are launching this uh, podcast to get uh, experts' insight and secrets for your benefit. Uh, hope uh, you find this valuable and interesting. And uh, let's continue. So today, our uh, guest is uh, Shubodh CV, uh, who is uh, Chief Operating Officer for uh, Mini Aerospace. Uh, he is Board Member, Executive Director, and Chief of uh, you know Operating Officer. Uh, representing Aerospace India and uh, business uh, on the board of listed and multinational companies. Uh, he has established world-class manufacturing and engineering uh, uh, facilities. Uh, Shubodh is very supportive of Make in India product uh, initiatives and has helped us in one of our product uh, development. Um, today, I invite him to have conversation uh, on challenges faced in aerospace manufacturing industry during COVID uh, times. I have interacted with the Shubodh, um, you know, many times earlier. I am generally awestruck by his thinking process. He has an excellent ability to condense big vision into layman terms and also look through minute details. Uh, without uh, further ado, I'll uh, request our guest Shubodh to introduce himself to the audience. Thank you so much, uh, Abhijit. It's always a pleasure to chat up with uh, you and uh, Rashmi. Uh, we've had uh, some interactions and uh, the saying goes the same for you also. I have also seen you to be coming up with some phenomenal ideas which are very complex but can be adapted quite simply into the shop floor or into the machines. Uh, you have uh, introduced uh, myself uh, with a lot of uh, big jargon. Uh, I'm not <laughs> sure if I really fit into what all you've said, but of course I've held some of those positions which you have mentioned. And uh, today I am the Chief of Operations for uh, Bainese Aerospace uh, Division. And we run an operation that has uh, close to about 130 CNC machines with over 500 people working with us in a single uh, facility, which is over 1,35,000 square foot, making complex uh, aerospace uh, composite uh, uh, aerospace uh, products for uh, different types of customers across engines, structural and uh, subsystem uh, uh, customers. Uh, my journey has been uh, quite simple uh, professionally in the sense that <clears throat> I did uh, mechanical engineering purely because I liked uh, mechanical engineering. Uh, as a kid, whenever my friends used to come and ask my mother, uh, where is Subodh? Uh, she used to tell them either he's under a car or uh, playing with some, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, doing some mechanical stuff. So I always had a passion for doing mechanical uh, stuff. And I pursued that in uh, developing an interest and uh, doing my engineering in mechanical engineering from the RV College uh, in the early 90s. Uh, for us at that time, uh, as you would all uh, recollect, that was the time when India was opening up its economy and yeah. we were all in uh, engineering. It was a phenomenal time to be in engineering then. Yeah. But uh, what happened was we were all uh, awestruck by the uh, 
software bug and everybody whether he is a chemical engineer a mechanical engineer a civil engineer or an it and electronics guy everybody joined the software wagon uh, and i also did that after finishing engineering and after a few months uh, of working with a software company i realized that i'm not a kind of guy who can sit in front of a computer and keep coding <laughs> or uh, so i got out of that i wrote my gate and i did my masters uh, in design from the indian institute of science and uh, passed out of uh, mtech from there and joined this company called dynamatic technologies now dynamatic technologies basically was into hydraulic products and uh, <clears throat> automotive products which they had just gotten into this was the mid 90s uh, late 90s uh, time period and there was a boom of the automotive uh, sector and i rode that wave along with dynamatics in the automotive sector and grew from being a rookie gat who joined them over a 10 year period was able to get on to being in a leadership role within dynamatic and by the mid 2000 i was in a fairly responsible leadership role and i went on to become the executive director dynamatics is a listed company i went on to become an executive director there and running the operations for uh, uh, the aerospace uh, division and that's how i gained my experience in aerospace manufacturing and aerospace related uh, products <clears throat> and from there on uh, you know this uh, uh, thing happens uh, when you reach uh, a certain stage in your career you want to be doing something on your own and uh, i'm sure you understand that yeah yeah <laughs> we are in the same boat so <laughs> so that bit me and uh, uh, mid uh, 2015 2016 17 i got out of dynamatic and started something on my own trying to give solutions uh, to companies trying to get companies started up with uh, in the aerospace uh, domain across composites across structural parts uh, sheet metal parts and other things and uh, i found it extremely challenging to be doing that and to developing things so i got back to being an employee uh, i joined the many group about a couple of years ago and today i am uh, what i am here with uh, many managing their operations yeah yeah but uh, i think uh, the startups which you were having was uh, you know we'll not discuss about that uh, today we'll be focusing on aerospace uh, that is a very interesting chapter in your life we probably can take it uh, some other point of time uh, maybe motivational or inspirational talks uh, this one uh, some day later uh, and uh, today so just uh, coming to the topic uh, that is uh, what is uh, aerospace industry is facing manufacturing sector especially is very badly hit and uh, we want to focus on uh, how um, you know um, your leadership skills uh, you know wave through the um, through this uh, difficult period and uh, um, so basically you had your ups and downs in your life and can you tell us more about uh, this journey um, yeah um well professionally speaking uh, there have been more ups than downs uh, so i've done well i think for myself and uh, uh, i've been at the right time at the right uh, place 
so i was uh, you know like i told you i started my career in the automotive when the automotive ride was uh, wave was riding and uh, i switched over to the aerospace very early before uh, the aerospace wave took off and i'm at the right spot in the aerospace uh, thing so that is pure destiny okay uh, that, that's pure karma to be there at the right time in the right uh, place but uh, having uh, said that <clears throat> a couple of things which you touched upon one is the, the challenges that uh, we are facing in the aerospace uh, industry and the second thing is personal uh, challenges that we have overcome uh, to reach or professional challenges that we have overcome i'll just share with you one small story you know when we were in the automotive uh, division uh, we used to be primarily started off as a subcontractor to hyundai we set up a facility in sri perambudur and the manufacturing facility in sri perambudur and we started making parts for hyundai primarily and when uh, the products that we were making to hyundai saturated we moved on to looking at other customers and i was responsible for product development and for business development at that point of time and so okay. we had a pump that we had developed for ford motors okay this was uh, a pump that was made by a very large multinational company out of south america is an european american company Uh, having uh, its manufacturing operations coming out of south america so they had the right combination of technology design being done in america and uh, low cost manufacturing being done in south america and they were supplying uh, this pump to ford now ford uh, wanted uh, to reduce costs and they wanted didn't want a pump coming all the way from brazil to india so they looked at an opportunity if we could be doing something out of uh, india and since we were a hydraulics company they gave us the task for developing that pump so we didn't know much about uh, automotive uh, pumps so we tied up with a german company and we developed a pump from scratch uh, mm-hmm. and uh, we designed it we tested it the test labs were all in germany ford has a massive uh, facility in uh, uh cologne and we had uh, a beautiful uh, story where we had a phenomenal pump that was developed now uh, ford was buying the pumps i don't know if you remember there was a, this car called the icon yeah. and all of them had uh, um, engine called the rocam engine yeah and rest of the world it used to be a pickup in india it was a sedan and yeah. there's other places in the world it used to be a pickup called the bantam and uh, the engine used to be made in south africa okay and, and uh, so uh, this was uh, the early 2000 you know 2002 2003 time period where we developed uh, this uh, pump and uh, uh, an indian guy in germany developing a pump for an american company supplied <laughs> to south africa okay <laughs> because the engine was made in south africa so yeah. it was uh, i'm i'm uh, uh, probably sent, you know, sounding it like a story but you can imagine the complexities of uh, actually doing something like this an indian yeah. company a small indian company uh, hitherto not known for making pumps challenging uh, uh, an american company and their supply chain developing the pump with uh, a state of art german uh, organization and then uh, managing the entire logistics to be producing those pumps in chennai and supplying it to south africa so okay. we start 
very well. We said started supplying thousands, tens of thousands, few lakhs. Okay. Because the automotive volumes are big. Yeah. 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 Suddenly we got a call and an email one day, which said that uh, this pump is failed. Okay. So I flew all the way to South Africa and checked. This was one of the first cars that were uh, developed having this pump. And it was from the same Ford factory itself. And uh, their security guys were using this car. Okay. So they wouldn't switch off the engine. They would okay. start the car in the morning. One chap goes on around, he comes back. The car engine is running in idling. The other guy hops in and takes the car for another round. So they don't drive at a very fast speed because they're doing checks and they're checking the entire fa factory. They're just driving around, the security guys. So they don't drive very fast. They drive at a certain speed, but the engine is continuously running. Mm -hmm. So at that speed, whenever there was a cold start in the morning, there used to be a sound that used to come, a rhythmic sound. And uh, so we started uh, testing those pumps and we started getting that uh, sound. And we used to call that pump, because of that sound, we used to call it Chaka Chaka Pump. <laughs> continuous thing. Only at the, between 1400 to 1500 RPM at a certain time, when you do cold start it, only then that sound comes. Okay. So, so we went back to the drawing board. We started looking at where uh, this happened because this would have sunk not only our company, but the entire reputation of uh, this country in being able to develop a product that could be supplied to a company like this. Yep. And we were under tremendous uh, pressure and we were successfully able to identify what that issue was. And mm -hmm. we had to really go into details. So at one stage, uh, you know, immediately what we did was to find out what are all the pumps that we have supplied and all segregate all of those pumps by building a test rig which will simulate exact engine conditions and be ideal to identify and segregate those pumps. So we did that. Then that thing had to be replicated both in South Africa as well as in India. So we stopped any faulty pump being supplied. Then whatever faulty pump we had, we had to start looking at all the parameters within that pump to be able to identify what could be the cause for it. Hmm. Thousands of dimensions in the pump. There are thousands of materials within the pump. So we had to do a very, I mean, some of your speakers earlier have spoken about uh, ways of identifying problems and I won't get into that because I'm not an expert at uh, those. But we followed in our own way, we followed with software, with hardware, with uh, test equipment that we developed, simulating the engine conditions. We were able to develop the uh, uh, solution and get exactly where the problem was. It was a pure design issue which we had overlooked. The opening and closing of the engine should be in exact angle of the opening and closing of the pressures within the pump mm -hmm. and miscalculated that by 180 degrees and therefore that problem was coming and it would come only when the gears within the pump sat at a certain angle. And okay. we identify that and we overcame that uh, problem. The okay. second personal thing that we did was when tsunami came, uh, it was a Christmas day, it was a Sunday. And as soon as the tsunami came, 
few hours we realized the tsunami has come and it's gone and then we uh, we had our md we had everybody come down from bangalore and everywhere else to chennai the next day on monday morning and we drove down from chennai to pondicherry and back and we were able to identify a few villages which were really really badly hit and we went to one such village where a fisherman was sitting on the banks of the sea and looking at the sea and uh, i asked him uh, what, what is he looking at so he told me that i have two mothers i have my own mother and i have the sea on which i depend upon and this mother the sea has cheated me okay. what do you do when a mother cheats you where mm-hmm. do you go so we adopted that village it inspired us to adapt that village and we put in the entire uh, what uh, today everybody is talking of disaster management protocols and all that we did that at that time because as when you're running an organization when you're running a complex factory which has thousands of workers you do this health and safety drill every month yeah you do a drill you know exactly what is to be done we put that entire protocol straight away <clears throat> we adapted that uh, village then the government gave us phenomenal amount of support including right up to the chief minister was uh, very happy that a private organization has come up to adopt a village like this mm-hmm. and within 90 days we were able to repair their boats and put them back on the sea including repairing their temples their houses and put them back so we immediately identified we gave them water we put tents we got them uh, to be established we gave them food we got them back their livelihoods within 90 days they were back into the sea and nice. there were more villages uh, that went back so i'm just sharing to you two experiences one is uh, on how if you are if you got this attitude that you can help or you can save or if you want to be stepping forward to be doing something and you strongly believe in that you can do it you could be, yeah. be an indian who is helping a small village you could be an indian who is helping so first thing foremost is to have belief in yourself yeah. and if you go out all out with all honesty i'm sure you can do it but in the entire process what shouldn't be forgotten are the minute details yeah. if you don't get that if you don't start keeping that into consideration you don't know where your failure will happen and it could be disastrous yeah 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 that's a good analogy i mean coming from pump uh, this one that had taken a grand uh, scheme of things but somewhere that 180 degrees uh, you know <laughs> yeah yeah so same thing no it's the same thing with that uh, guy with the tsunamis he is every day going in that boat to do fishing yeah one day something snapped mother nature yeah you don't know what happened and then uh, but you can help him you can help for yeah <laughs> that's what you can do as a professional yeah yeah that's that's the scope or that's the width of things that you can do yeah that's what i believe in that's been yeah. my journey yeah good so uh, next uh, um, in, like uh, see the thing is you have access to information on upcoming uh, you know Uh, aerospace and uh, defense uh, projects because you have uh, you know close proximity to many of the ministries and you have dealt with the ministries 
from aerospace manufacturing perspective uh, what is the scope in uh, 2021 22 23 how do you think uh, you know demand and uh, this one will be there yeah see uh, for us uh, fortunately we had the air show happening uh, recently in february and you had the defense minister come here and he mm-hmm. camped himself over here which is the first time that a defense minister did that okay so the importance given to the industry importance given to defense especially aerospace related defense was very clear with okay. the kind of uh, and uh, continuously back to back every month every other month they have been giving orders uh, mainly to hal and to other organizations going right up to the recent one where a submarine was uh, being uh, ordered upon the indian the rfqs are open for that okay. so the lca has opened 83 aircraft are being uh, taken on the lca so there is back to back helicopters are opened up so but the thing is there hal is going to be the prime mover okay and <clears throat> large corporations like lnt are going to be the prime movers and all of us are going to ride on their ecosystem and their okay. uh, support systems to be coming in apart from this there's a lot of traction that's happening in the uav markets large uavs we are talking of flying okay. over 30000 45000 uh, feet height these mm-hmm. are the kind of uavs we are talking about and large uavs are coming up with the israelis uh, pitching in and there's a phenomenal amount of traction happening over there the okay. entire uh, industry is consolidating itself uh, today we saw recently a company wipro by an american company where the american company was a supplier to boeing okay so we are having those opportunities opening up uh, today as we speak mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so on the one hand uh, uh, we've got a very very big challenge of commercial aviation coming back Okay. there will be quite some time hospitality and aviation sectors are two big large sectors that have been impacted by the covid and we will have uh, some time before that comes up everybody is saying that it will pick up once the vaccination uh, starts but there are so many planes that are already been produced in our lying in warehouses across the globe so yep. till they get uh, used up till they start flying and new aircraft are made it is going to take time even if we all start flying the moment we are allowed to that's going to take commercial side it's going to take time but defense is very very interesting right now driven okay. by okay i think the large, large amount of purchases that indian defense is driving at i think the uh, ministry's push to atmanirbhar uh, program i think uh, now mandates uh, you know some of the things to be pro- produced in india itself uh, i guess Yeah, we have a very strong uh, defense offset policy. Yeah, uh, and anybody can Google the defense offset policy and read that up. And yeah. across different uh, manufacturing uh, criteria, there are different uh, percentages of work content that needs to be done within uh, the country, and who has who can do what and how eligible they are is very clearly documented. Over the last ten uh, years, this has been developing. has matured very well now as a defense offset policy itself that gives a lot of impetus for indian organizations 
okay problem is technology technology yep. is not available right now so we will have to tie up with somebody who has the technology or who could give us the drawings and we can make the parts as per their drawings yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, another uh, on the same uh, this one that uh, we know that uh, you know fifty percent of the commercial uh, you know uh, air traffic is affected and uh, it's a manufacturing especially is an industry which works on these complexities and very low volumes. So um, and I know uh, in Maini it was badly affected uh, when we visited last time last year. Um, you know like you know the. The, um, the tension around there. So, but I also saw that uh, you know you had uh, made some key decisions uh, to take that uh, uh, sustenance part of it. The, um, like almost uh, only one shift that to only fifty percent of the people were working, which was earlier um, <laughs> twenty four bar seven, and uh, you know uh, yeah. hundred yeah. uh, this one. So you know um, what. Uh, decisions are taken uh, in your uh, uh, leadership role and what factors uh, you had to make that call. I'm, I'm pretty much sure that uh, it was not easy. So, yeah. So what we did was, uh, uh, Abhijit, uh, see, nobody knew when yeah. uh, the COVID started in March, April uh, last year, nobody knew how long this is going to last. Yeah. Or what is going to be the impact of this on our businesses? Nobody knew when it started. Fortunately for the aerospace and defense, we were able to get permission from the state government to keep our factories open. So we never let down any of our customers. Yeah. Our OTDs were around 95, 96% before COVID. It became 100, 101, 110%. We did everything we could to keep them satisfied. They were not available to take our calls. They were not available to take uh, decisions, but we were there to service them with whatever we have been producing. So on the one hand, we took care of our existing customers. Okay. Then what we did is we started looking at our entire organization and where we could cut costs. So we spoke to everybody who was uh, you know, on contract, on who are not in long-term uh, relationship with us. And we asked them to take a break during the COVID periods. And <clears throat> what we did was once the first wave was over, uh, we saw a phenomenal increase coming back in the automotive sector. So we diversified almost close to about 50 machines. 30 machines we physically shifted and about 20 machines we have allocated today to make automotive components for our automotive uh, business, which is part of the Maini group. Apart from that, what we did was we started looking at general engineering, heavy engineering, and some other industries where we could de-risk our business. This was not purely driven by the COVID. This mm -hmm. was pure to de-risk the entire business, looking at what could happen in future and make it future ready. So what we did was we have uh, a parlance in uh, aerospace. Uh, it's like uh, called FAI, first article inspection. So whenever a new product is developed, you produce one part, which is exactly similar to the production part. And you call that a first article. So we had dedicated close to about uh, 15 machines 
out of the 130 machines that we had, one replica of each machine from the production, we had kept it aside to do FAI work or NPD work. So all those machines, we started uh, saying that we could make a similar cell like this for anybody, any customer of ours who wants us to diversify from aerospace into another business. So fortunately for us, we got a very nice opportunity with a large consumer electronics company who was setting up a facility close to us in uh, Bangalore, I mean, on the outskirts of uh, Bangalore, <clears throat> Tamil Nadu actually on the border. And we got an opportunity to make fixtures for them. So we were able to do three things. So on the material that we already had, we went back to our customers and told them that we are open, we are running, we will give you whatever you want. On the manpower, we said that whoever is not associated with us long-term, whoever is not associated, who is on contract and is a short-term thing, please take a break. On our machines, we diversified some of the machines and we started using all the other machines for aerospace. And on our technology, we started setting up a separate cell where we could do things. So, you know, the four M's of uh, a usual man-machine method and manpower. So we started using that to be able to develop a solution for us in the long term. Okay. We know, we know that, uh, you know, this fixture making or this is a one-time thing, but it'll mm. keep coming. Yeah. It's a cyclical thing and it'll keep coming. So every time there is a dip or there is some uh, fluctuation in the aerospace, we will have that to be able to help us get out of, uh, at least it will give us the bread, if not the butter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, I had a question. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so, uh, regarding the offset uh, thing that you were talking about earlier, so both where there's more focus on, you know, uh, defense uh, saying a lot of it has to be made in India rather than bought from outside. Now, has there been any, uh, you know, mandate or guideline from the ministry, even regards to quality? Because, uh, a reason why some of the things were being produced outside and not in-house was because they were expected to be of certain quality and you know certain standards. So has that communication again cascaded down to all the vendors, sub-vendors that you know they have to adopt certain things with regard to quality and you know processes so that they are able to mass produce at that uh, quality that is required from the ministry? Right. Uh, what you are asking is uh, very correct. Uh, but please understand one thing, you know, unlike the automotive industry, in the aerospace, quality is a given. You can't park the aircraft and repair, right? Yeah. So you can imagine the kind of stress that is given to quality in the aerospace. What happens is over the entire period of time of the industry being developed, there is a certain system that has been developed by the industry, which is the AS9100 system. Now, when you are in that system, you have a lot of things that you need to adhere to, to be able to meet the requirements of the system itself. So that okay. system itself will take you to a certain quality level in terms of what you are implementing. Now, if you come to product quality, the actual product that you are making and the technology involved in the product quality, 
it is all driven by the drawing you have to meet all the drawing requirements which are there you are not producing a product which you are going to put on your own aircraft you will be putting it on some other aircraft which is already flying or which is being developed by a large company like a boeing or an airbus or a chain so they will give you the drawing and yeah. you have to meet those uh, drawing requirements so nobody will buy that part from you if you don't meet even a single dimensional requirement so the system takes care of the quality okay got it's it. nothing special it's nothing special that you have to uh, do the only thing is because you're in the aerospace to build these systems it will take time you just can't buy machinery you can't buy raw material you can't put 10 people on the shop floor and say i will be able to make aerospace parts okay that gestation of learning from day 1 to be able to meet the as requirements to be able to meet the drawing requirements is what drives the aerospace industry that gestation of maturity that you get over the period of time is what is a little longer than other industries which is why it is seen as one of the barriers for entering the aerospace also okay this is a set of processes that uh... Um, you know um, certificates and other things needs to be there uh, so uh, i am pretty much sure uh, your vendors and contractors uh, you know who are also watching this uh, show uh, they might also have been diversified to different uh, sectors um, now if again the aerospace economy opens up uh, how difficult uh, uh, it is for them to again start this uh, aerospace process uh, together because all the talent who would be working on multi axis machines multi axis uh, process um, you know um, all those people are now looking uh, you know going to some other uh, job um, and uh, what would be your forecast uh, you know when it will exactly pick up and uh, will these contractors and uh, um, suppliers needs to be uh, ready for the um, when you know when exactly they should be start preparing for this uh, um upkeep like to cater to your uh, requirement right so if you see the last uh, covid wave across the globe it was a full shutdown everything yeah. just came to a standstill yeah and then slowly it picked up and today you yourself uh, were saying a short while ago that it's back to about 50% yeah of its uh, capacities so you can see in each of the domestic areas whether it is china india uh, europe america asia the domestic flights have almost come back full yeah okay so it's only a matter of time where the international travel has not yet happened yeah that's purely waiting for the vaccines so Correct. i'm i am seeing that you know already america and uk have uh, uh, completed uh, their vaccination programs for a large extent and we see the same thing trickling down to other parts of the world and uh, india is also going to go all out uh, in the next uh, few weeks and it's going to so i am seeing that uh, the industry is going to come back or start ramping up from september onwards okay and in a year from uh, there 2022 september we should be back to at least 50% of pre covid in a year okay. okay and subsequent year 2023 september 
we should be back to 100%. Okay, okay. That's what I feel is going to happen. Uh, okay. The, uh, these 24 months are going to be crucial for all of us to be coming back. And please understand one thing. Uh, it's extremely difficult to face such challenges in these uh, times to downturn and to reduce the volumes and to reduce the operations. But it's 10 times more difficult to come back. Yeah. <coughs> it's 10 times more difficult to come back. Uh, like you said, you have manpower challenges, you have uh, stopped your engines, machines, you have stopped uh, the entire thing, raw materials are not available, everybody wants them. You know, you will have those challenges. It's not going to be a switch that you just turn on and from tomorrow, everything is going to start, uh, you know, coming back. So it is going to ramp up slowly and it is going to happen over the last, uh, uh, the next 24 months, starting from September is what I believe very strongly. <clears throat> it, okay. could happen. it could happen faster. And we are seeing uh, a large shift in... Uh, the kind of aircraft itself being okay. utilized. Okay. Uh, you know, a uh, few years ago, we had large aircraft. We okay. had the double-decker 380. We had the 787 Dreamliner. We had large aircraft filling in hundreds of people and taking us to long distances. That okay. is going to change. That is mm -hmm. going to change now. It's not going okay. to be those kind of aircraft that are being flown. It's mainly going to be single-aisle long range kind of aircraft where you have uh, three seats with an aisle in middle. Uh, most of the aircraft are going to be that kind of aircraft or it is going to be maximum two aisles, seven seater in one row that is going to be there. That's the kind of configuration that's going to be maximum 350 passengers traveling in that aircraft, not more. Okay. 180 to 350 is going to be 150 to 350 is what is going to be the passenger uh, thing and that's the kind of aircraft that is going to be taking off. Yeah. Now, Airbus has already started that activity and you're going to see a lot of uh, traction coming in single A. And once the volumes start uh, picking up, it's going to be really uh, crazy till date. the uh, it, We produce the aircraft very much unlike uh, how cars are produced, right? You can't produce thousands of them uh, in a day. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you produce uh, In two days, you produce one aircraft and that's a great thing if you do that. But we have lines, both Boeing as well as Air, uh, Airbus has lines where they can produce uh, an aircraft in half a day, a little less than half a day with those lines. I mean, okay, in three okay. days they will build uh, five aircraft kind of a thing with three lines uh, coming up. <clears throat> so that gives them about 600 to 700 aircraft that they were producing per annum. And now being the focus shifting to the single aisle which was 600, 700, going up to 800, 900, probably even 1,000 aircraft. Okay. So volumes on one particular model is going to increase. Okay, okay. So that is something that if somebody gets on to any product on those aircraft, you've got a phenomenal opportunity to grow your business. Great. Cool. So... Um, like, uh, you know, one of the difficulties uh, is basically, you know, in aerospace manufacturing is availability of materials. Um, how did you handle that uh, situation when uh, there is imports banned from all the countries? You know, uh, there was some, you know, 
any uh, you know percentage uh, increase in the you know to stop uh, buying the materials outside that uh, this one like how did you get to procure uh, materials and how did you deliver uh, 100% of times so yeah uh, abhijit uh, see any low cost manufacturing model the business model itself is based on pure value addition coming from manpower yeah material is the same whether you make it in india you make it in america you make it wherever you make it the raw material is going to be the same right the machine is more or less the same yeah whether you use a three axis machine or a four axis machine or a five axis machine a turning machine or a milling machine the machine is the same so asset is the same material is the same the only differentiator is the man who is operating that right yeah. so any low cost sourcing business model is based on these three costs raw material cost machine cost and manpower cost so wherever the manpower cost is contributing significantly to the product that is where you make a difference if you are making it in india yeah. because the manpower costs are lesser now yeah. what is that manpower cost is not just opening the door putting the part taking it out yeah that manpower is in the entire efficiency that you bring in for making that product right from getting that raw material making that raw material to produce a part with the least amount of scrap yeah from there you take it to a machine where you machine it in the most optimum way with the least amount of cycle time yeah right and then you pack that part and send it out so yeah. it's not just the raw material challenge that challenges a business model which is depending on low cost sourcing Correct. or best cost sourcing so it's all these three so you have to bring in uh, expertise or value addition in all of these whether it's utilization of the material by least amount of scrap whether it is optimizing your manufacturing processes with the most uh, optimum cycle times whether it's producing the quality of the product which is the finished product and supplying it to them on time yeah now uh, raw material yes it's not available in india because we don't have the volumes there is not a single aerospace uh, manufacturer in india neither is there an aerospace manufacturer in korea neither is an aerospace manufacturer in japan neither is there a manufacturer in any other part of uh, many of the countries i can give you examples is who makes aircraft airbus boeing maybe bombardier embraer four five people in the world right so raw material is the same problem for everybody okay <laughs> it's not just for somebody in india okay so raw material comes out of certain countries just like how you have aircraft manufacturers at one level you have raw material manufacturers at the bottom right yeah. so there are five six guys who produce titanium who produce aluminium that is also very similar to the aircraft guys okay <laughs> very few people produce aluminium very few produce uh, titanium very few produce inconel the exotic metals that you need for aerospace uh, manufacturing is limited to a few people okay 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 and so are your customers also okay so it's, it's the same it's the same so the challenge is the same for everybody it's not okay. just a specific uh, challenge and if you are clever enough you will get into long term agreements there are a lot of distributors who are representing these companies in india 
you can have long term agreements uh, with them you can uh, block your rates for those uh, things if you are confident that your customer is going to continue your business you can have those uh, agreements with them you can directly procure from abroad if you are an eou or if you are part of that more uh, agreements you can start setting up your facility which takes care of those there is a solution that the indian government has given for all of these issues free trade agreements are there you you can setups can be made you have a solution that's available within the existing systems you just have to look scratch a little deeper you have that solution okay great as you were a you know um, entrepreneur uh, earlier uh, <coughs> tell us some uh, learning uh, be it uh, marketing planning or the softwares or the operational uh, learning uh, that will uh, result uh, in uh, setting up uh, long term profits uh, for a big industry you know what separates from big industry and the small industry like how how what all things you will stress see uh, whenever you start something whoever is uh, successful in any business they are doing that because they are providing some value yeah which somebody else is yeah so unless you bring value to the table nobody will give you business you will not be able to grow yeah so how do you see what value you bring to the table now either you, you go in for a technology that brings in the value and you set up a large manufacturing setup which will give you that value or you yourself become the value yeah or your people give you the value so you you have to create a certain value in your business so that's the most important thing what is the value that you bring to the business to the customers requirement so what i've seen was i realized that there were a lot of people who wanted to get into aerospace but didn't know what they wanted to do hmm they were already manufacturing parts either to general engineering or to automotive or to somebody else and they wanted to get into aerospace now yep. when you ask them why you want to get into aerospace they will tell you that uh, you know it is purely because i heard that it gives you a much better profit <laughs> yeah aerospace is more profitable yeah now, if somebody gives you that answer then the meeting is over right <laughs> so there's nothing more to discuss on that because if somebody is looking at it purely from a profit making perspective then you have to create that value for them yeah you have to find out what is the value that they are bringing so what we did was we started looking at uh, certain companies which were uh, either in the area of good technology making composite uh, parts who needed an investment partner or was into some other uh, 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 production of pipes and tubes which were not being manufactured for aerospace you know trying to get them into aerospace so those are the kind of customers i got on board and in the process of helping them get a decent investment and a decent uh, customer base i started helping them to grow their business by bringing in aerospace systems be it quality mm-hmm. systems be it engineering systems so we started developing systems for them 
with certain few people that we had on board and trying to build that. And <clears throat> over a period of time, I collected a customer base which could uh, be satisfied with whatever they were growing and they became self-sustainable. But to get on board newer uh, suppliers, newer customers was what was becoming extremely challenging because everybody thought that aerospace was more profitable, more uh, lucrative, but I didn't understand where they were coming from or what was driving that. Now, coming back uh, to our own uh, organization, which is Miney, we have been able to foray. We were making uh, components. Slowly, we are moving up the value chain. We are making more and more complex parts for them, which has a much complex machining operation because the material is different or the geometry is different. And we are slowly moving towards making assemblies and sub-assemblies. So we're moving up the value chain in the okay. base. So that is what we are doing in Miney. So we created the value. We're trying to grow on that value. Okay. So we are almost uh, 35, 36 minutes into the I didn't realize meeting. The <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now it is uh, uh, time for uh, Rashmi to ask rapid fire uh, questions. So Rashmi, over to you. Yeah. Sure. Thanks. Thanks, Abhi. And uh, thanks uh, so both uh, very insightful, uh, you know, information that you have uh, shared. Uh, and my first question for the rapid fire is based on, you know, the bookshelf that I saw behind you. Uh, there's quite a few books that uh, I, I, I could see. So what's your favorite uh, book? But, uh, right now I'm reading uh, something called uh, My Gita by Devdat. It's a oh. very different uh, interpretation of Gita. Bhagavad okay. Gita. Okay. So I read everything, uh, fiction, non-fiction. Anything, anything that catches my eye, I read. Nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, is there one uh, world leader, you know, in the field of business that you greatly admire and why so? Uh, world leader, no, I don't know in terms of business, but uh, truly in terms of leadership, I have phenomenal amount of awe for Mahatma Gandhi. Yeah. On uh, how he... Yeah, you know, you take any management principle, he's been there, done that, experimented, executed, you know. Uh, there is all uh, things, you know, I'm a great uh, student of design. And uh, if you see his entire dress sense, that steak, the charaka, you know, he could have uh, chosen a charaka which was more productive, with much more spindles, multi-spindle. But he chose <laughs> one that is only one spindle, because it is simple. It is somebody who is seeing that doesn't get uh, feels that it is a simple operation and simply can produce cotton thread, you know. So the entire thinking is very, very, it's really simple thinking and uh, high, high learning kind of uh, uh, approach. Very, very inspiring is Mahatma Gandhi for me. Great. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Subodh, if you have to describe, uh, you know, yourself uh, in three adjectives, which three adjectives will you choose? Uh, very difficult uh, to answer that. Uh, I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm forgetting all adjectives now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm, 
you know, I don't uh, leave things <clears throat> half done. I pursue things. I'm that way very perseverant. And uh, anything I take up, I complete. I don't leave it half done or uh, half baked. That's one uh, trait of mine. And uh, I like a challenge. I'm extremely fond of uh, not losing. You know, <laughs> I, like, I like to take a challenge and win it. It's something uh, that's uh, there with me. And then I like uh, something that's very creative. Uh, it's be it art, be it anything to do with, I paint myself. I do oil wow. painting. Uh, so anything that's creative, I really like. So maybe perseverance, creativity, and, uh, you know, completing certain things that you've taken up is great yeah and is there a, a particular quality that you value a lot in uh, you know in people whether it's your uh, personal relationships or your professional relationships what is that one quality that really uh, that you value in people honesty great honesty <laughs> that's very simple okay and the last uh, question is uh, would you be the funniest or the smartest person in the room I'd like to be both. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't be a joker and be smart. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that, uh, Subodh. And uh, back to you, Abhi. Thanks, uh, Rashmi. So, so, there are two more questions, uh, Subodh. You know, then you can be free. <laughs> okay. No, no, very interesting. Okay. <laughs> so basically, um, you know, uh, which uh, technologies uh, do you think that will uh, will be coming and changing the manufacturing uh, in coming future? Which uh, you should be serious about. All the manufacturing people should be serious about. Two things. Uh, anything that is repetitive. Okay will be taken away from man. Okay. So, uh, if you're doing something that is not adding creativity while being repetitive, that will be taken away by some machine. So, you have to be, now we're talking of low-cost country sourcing, the main cost driver or the benefit is from manpower. So, you have to be very careful when you're building a business model where you are doing something with a guy who is uh, you know, doing a repetitive job, it's going to be uh, taken away by a machine. Yep. So, what are those machines which are going to take away? It's the pure IoT kind of uh, things where you're going to be having sensors, which is going to have a little bit of artificial intelligence, which will start capturing and creating database and take away the repetitive work. So, the IoT related things, which is going to be manning machines, is going to be coming in and giving you data, which is going to take away most of the repetitive things, number one. Okay. Number two is, uh, again, to do with uh, quality of products. If you are going to be measuring parts with a vernier, with a micrometer continuously, I believe even though there is some amount of creativity in that, you are doing an analog algorithm where you're measuring something and noting down plus or minus and things like that, I still believe that that's going to be repetitive. So yeah. there is going to be technology either coming from the video scene or from uh, motion sensors uh, kind of uh, scenario where quality is going to be driven again by video. 
So you imagine a factory where you have series of machines and all machines are being loaded by material continuously being run. Any machine at any point of time stops. You get a feedback on your phone and you know what to do. You send uh, something, a person to check what has happened and that's how the factory is going to be. Product comes out. You're not going to be using a guy to be checking the part. It's going to be put in front of a camera. It's going to check with uh, lakhs of uh, images that have already been fed in. And it's going to check if the part is okay or not and it will go out. Yeah. This is what will come. Now, what do you do in that kind of a scenario? You can do two things. You can either create that technology and start offering it or whatever data that is coming out of this technology, somebody has to see, you know, somebody yeah, has yeah. to analyze. Analyze. Somebody has to analyze, somebody has to see. And if the machines are down, you need to troubleshoot. So there is going to be those areas that are going to grow phenomenally, especially okay. this, is how, this is how it's going to change. Okay. This is what I personally believe. Most happening, uh, most of the mobile uh, manufacturing is now fully automated. So I think we'll see. Yeah, fully. Fully means fully. fully yes. Even the <laughs> Even yeah. the inspection is not uh, touched by people. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Good. Um, and the final one question. What is one strong uh, takeaway from your experience? Never give up. There is nobody who is better than you in what you're doing. You okay. can be the best if you believe in what you're doing. Great, great, great. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Shubodh, uh, you know, for uh, really, uh, you know, I think I'm pretty much sure everybody will be very much uh, uh, in tune with whatever you are uh, telling. And if uh, people want to reach out to you, how can uh, they reach out to you? Yeah, you can uh, share my mobile number uh, to okay. them. They can get in touch with me either on WhatsApp or uh, send me a message uh, on my phone. You have my email ID as well. My official email ID is subodh.rmail.com. Okay. You can, uh, touch base with me on my email as well. Yeah. I'll post the email in the description and uh, whoever wants mobile, they can uh, reach out to me. Sure. Sure. Thank you so much. Pleasure is mine. Thank you for having me on this uh, conversation with experts. Uh, pleasure is ours and uh, privilege. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> not at all not at all privilege is my own privilege thank you thank, thank you. you thank you Shubodh. Thank, yeah. thank you for your uh, insight uh, uh, Shubodh. and uh, viewers and listeners thanks for hearing us and i hope it was interesting and inspiring for you um next uh, we are going to have a talk with uh, sandeep from unnati cnc technologies uh, with the topic uh, starting small and now owning high precision machining company and how to leverage finance for success. See you soon. Have a great day and stay safe. Thank you. Thank you. Stay safe, everybody. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Yeah.